You are now listening to Raise the W, recorded at the School of Communication inside the Hickey Audio Lab on the beautiful campus of Western Michigan University. Come aboard and hear the people, stories, and impact of Western Michigan University. Here's your host, Tim Tarantine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raise the W, the podcast where we celebrate Western Michigan University, its people, its stories, its students, and all things great about this place we call home. I am uh, here with one of my mentors, one of my friends. This woman uh, played a huge role in helping me attain my master's degree. Uh, I'm here today in large part because of the work Lee Ford did to encourage me, to, to help me stretch my boundaries. I'm so happy to have her here. Lee Ford is the director of the School of Communication. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to see you um, in your new role yeah. at Western and the progress that you're pushing for the university. Thank you. As all grown up. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee, before we talk about uh, the school and higher education, let's put you in context. Uh, describe for me the neighborhood you grew up in. Tell me about your childhood. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in a small town, Zeeland, Michigan. Yeah. Um, only about 2,500 people. We were actually featured in uh, the Chicago Tribune one time on a Sunday, and the title of the article was A Little Town That Rolls the Streets Up on Sunday, Saturday Night and Doesn't roll, Unroll Them Until Monday Morning. Um, wow. Yeah, it was a very, um, in many ways, idyllic kind of childhood because mm. of the small town nature of Zealand. It's much, much larger now, but, sure. you know, you could ride your bike from one end of town to the other, the sort of proverbial nobody locked their doors that night, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it was a real American community. Very much so. Yeah, sure. Stars and bars, church, everybody went to church. Everybody somewhere. went to church, yeah. I love and that. that was sort of the centerpiece of um, a lot of social life mm. was linked to church and um very conservative town. Sure. Um, as a result of that, um, Dutch reformed, oh, okay, Christian yeah, reformed. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you grew up through K twelve <clears throat> there. K through twelve. Uh huh. Yeah. And then you went where for college? Um, I started at Adrian College because I thought I was going to be an actress and wanted to study theater and had kind of an epiphany while I was there. I uh, oddly enough, I saw a movie about um, deaf people. Really? And I became very enamored of what that might be like, not, not to be able to communicate um, through words and your voice, and instead through sign. And um, I actually dropped out of college for a period of time trying to figure out where to go to school and what to study. So I ended up at Eastern Michigan University, which at the time had a world-renowned oral deaf program. Mm. not a signing program, an oral deaf program. And that's where I got my degree. Wow. So what what made you matriculate into higher ed? I mean, like you, you got your bachelor's degree, but then you've gone on to be a great scholar and leader in higher education. How, how did you go from bachelor to Dr. Ford? <laughs> well, I did that because of the guidance of a lot of people here at Western Michigan University. Hmm. Uh, when I graduated from college, I actually taught in the Kalamazoo Public Schools for a period of time, wow. but um, not very long because I wanted to be a California girl. Sure. Um, California had always been sort of my dream place to live, so I found a position teaching the deaf in California and lived there for 12 years. And um, because of some personal things, moved back here to Michigan and 
decided I would go back and get my master's degree and walked in. At that time, the office, advising office for the communication department was at Grand Rapids Community College. Um, Shirley Van Hoven would go to um, Grand Grand Rapids Community College uh, once a month because we were that's where we were teaching grad classes also and I walked in and um, she changed my life so I got a teaching assistantship or actually I had a different kind of assistantship first in the department and people started to encourage me to go on to get my PhD and in that process uh, Richard Deeker who was chair at the time was able to negotiate and believe me it took a lot of negotiating to get the first teaching assistantship that was ever offered in the then Department of Communication. And it Uh, was you. And it was me. And I discovered how much I love being in the university setting. So the rest is history, as they say. Sure, right. Well, and you've you've battled uh, a lot in your life, coming from Zealand, a little town. <laughs> yes. Going on to matriculated, got your PhD. You've, you've studied and taught the topics you're passionate about. And in the middle of all that, you've battled back cancer. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Tell us about that journey. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it was one of the craziest. You were probably the first person I was closest to who had cancer. While, you know, in school, I had never had a teacher, you know, kind of mm-hmm. uh, where I was that close, right? And so... I watched you do that, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. Okay. Well, in uh, 2006, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. um, And just like you'd never been close to someone, um, (laughs) I had not not either and did not expect it would be myself who um, would have that experience. But many women do, right? Many women do. So in terms of discovering my breast cancer originally, I, I put it off. I actually um, discovered it in October, I discovered the lump and thought, oh, it's stress. Right. <laughs> you know, you, t- you tell yourself a lot of stories about what it is. And finally, um, just after Christmas, I went in and my doctor said, you really, this is serious. We need to take steps forward. So my initial treatment was chemotherapy, and that's really where it began to be very visible, obviously. Lost my hair and all that sort of thing. But I was determined to go to work every day. Um, Work fed me in so many ways. You know, working with students like you, um, having some normalcy in my life while I was going through that. So I did the chemotherapy and then had surgery, and then uh, did radiation and chemotherapy simultaneously through the summer. So by the end of the, the summer, it, it was pretty rough. And it, it was the only time that I said to myself, I might not be able to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just before classes started in the fall, I kind of turned the corner again. But you know, it, it, my story is just one of many, many, many stories like that in this country and around the world. What we have here at Western, which was such a blessing and benefit, was our health insurance. Yeah. Our, our health insurance is amazing, and it really was um, possible for me to have some of the best treatment available because of it. And yeah. I'm deeply grateful to the institution for that. 
And I'm deeply grateful to my colleagues on campus. Sure. You know, I I was pretty glamorous without hair. You were. <laughs> and when I look back at photos of myself now, I'm like, what was I thinking? But but I didn't. You were such an inspiration. Oh well, I don't know about that, but it. I'm um... telling you, we used to talk about it as grad students. We, you know, the TA, the, the GAs, we'd all be together all the time, uh-huh. and studying and teaching. Uh-huh. It was like, man. If anything ever happened to me like that, I hope I handle it like Dr. Ford. Oh, thank you. Like I hope I mean that was a very regular conversation was wow, look at her go. Oh, thank you. And that inspiration, I mean that it it was so inspiring. Now that you're a survivor two times. Two times, yep. What what has that done to your perspective on life, on the work you do? What what difference has that made in you? Um, I think that one of the things that everybody says is it gives you a new perspective on life, you know, Mm -hmm. it changes you. I think what it does is it magnifies who you are and what you are. So for me, I think I always have been a thoughtful person. I think I've always been connected to people. I've always sort of tried, as it sounds, tried to do the right thing. And because of that experience, it just made me more committed to those values. And Mm. and I think I've always been appreciative of people, but even more so Mm. being appreciative of my family, the people around me, the the love and care that was shown to me during that period of time. Yeah. So again, it, it I don't think it changed me, it just made who I am and what I am more committed. Yeah. Well, your commitment continues to be clear through the School of Communication. It, it continues to be an outstanding progressive school that's trying new things, everything from from communication with robots to uh, interpersonal communication. Correct. Uh, and you keep pushing. We keep pushing. I'm proud. It's my school. I, I can say we still, right? That's it's, right. It's my that's school. right. I always say uh, to, to students, you never get away from us. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I am so pleased and so proud. What What are you hoping most for the School of Communication and its future? Well, I think a lot of things. Um, in the world we live in today, communication is critical to all things. It's mm. cr- critical to your family life. It's critical to your work life. And it's critical to um, your life as a citizen in, the, in our uh, democracy. And so when I think about the School of Communication, what, what I want for us and for our students is to be that visible presence and model on campus of effective communication and advocates for the role that in in public citizenry that mm-hmm. communication plays why but, is that so important in the citizenry why are you cuz you are passionate about that topic why is why are you so passionate about how communication in the citizenry is so important well, I feel, especially right now, we are talking past each other, yeah. not engaging in dialogue. And that's that's just in the political realm, but that, I think, is translating even into our workplaces mm. and our, um, yeah. 
uh, sometimes in our families, yeah. right? right? And I think if we can't engage one, one another in dialogue, we are never going to be able to solve the really significant problems that we face locally yeah. um, and on a national scale. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of writing about um, how people don't, like, join the Lions Club anymore or don't, um, yeah. you know, have lost their connectedness mm-hmm. uh, of that kind of that small town thing where people knew each other and, and that community sense. Yeah. And, you know, it's no accident that communication and communi- community start yeah. with the same root word, right? Right. right. Hmm. How can the audience, our, our, our friends, our alumni, our donors, like how can we help? Because I think we all share a desire to restore dialogue mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to our world. And I will tell you, and I've said it to you a hundred times, I think my success professionally uh, at a younger age is because of the School of Communication. I, I'm not smarter than... <laughs> than my competitors, right? Mm-hmm. But what I did learn was the principles of how to connect people together and how to connect thoughts to people in a way that they can understand, that bring people together, that create change, that solve problems. That's, I mean, some of that I had naturally, but the, the skill set, the approach, I learned here. And it has separated my career. There's no question about it. I'm one of the biggest poster childs for that statement, because you know when you run the numbers of people like me, you don't you don't see where I am. Mm-hmm. There's the, and the differentiating factor I think is the ability to communicate with people and 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 open environments where people can mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace and other places. And so uh, I'm a huge proponent of that. But how can people help do that? Are they, how can they help you on that mission? <clears throat> well, you just want me to solve everything, I guess. <laughs> I do. I think you, I think you can, actually. Right. So you might as well give oh, it yeah. a try. I mean, come right. on. <laughs> um, um, well, I think, I, I think let's just start with the idea of communication. And let me begin by saying it's also knowing when not to communicate, when not to That's open true. your mouth, right? That's right. So it is a capacity to listen right. to what people are saying and not immediately jump to a solution for a problem or a defensive response or um, while you're talking, I'm already trying to figure out what my argument is going to be. Right. So it is practicing, I, you know, what can we do as a, as a whole is being a model of that listening behavior. I think it also requires Excellent communication also requires the capacity for empathy. Mm. That if you really want to solve a problem, you have to have some capacity to understand the other. That's right. And one of the things I try to do when I'm, when I'm talking to a student in my classroom, for example, one of the things I try to do, or, or in my office, rather, is I always think about, okay, I don't know what that student carried in to my office right. with them, right? Sure. So my ability to be empathetic to their situation while also being rational, critical, supportive makes them feel better about 
talking to me mm. and I can understand their problem and maybe not give them the answer that they want, but the feeling of being heard is critical in this society. That's right. Has somebody heard your voice? And has somebody honestly paid attention to the voice? Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you get your way, right. but you've been listened to. It means you're a human. That's right. Right? That's right. Students are learning these principles and many others in the School of Communication here at, at our university. And I would encourage our listeners, if you have an area you want to explore or you have students, uh, high school students, middle school students who are thinking about what do I want to do for a career? What do I want to study? I would highly and strongly encourage you to consider the School of Communication at Western Michigan University because what Dr. Ford just said, I believe, is going to be the most sought-after skill set in the years to come as we interact with artificial intelligence and different generations and languages and cultures. It's going to be the people who can be uh, emotionally and empathetically bilingual who can reach people that are going to be the ones in high demand, mm -hmm. right? The people who still have a job right. are going to be the ones who can translate all that is going on all the time. And so kudos to you and the School of Com for all the work you're doing. And I hope that uh, as people are making their choices about where to go to school, of course we want them to choose Western. But more than that, I would say if you want a job where the, the demand will always be higher than the supply, learn how to communicate. <laughs> so, so says we. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yes, indeed. absolutely. Uh, thanks, Lee, for being on today. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you for uh, all you've done for me uh, personally. I can't thank you enough for all that. And, of course, for the role you've played here on campus for the thousands of students that your work has impacted. We thank you, and we're so glad you were on today. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. If you want to learn more about Dr. Ford's School of Communication or how you can get more engaged with the school, go to mywmu.com slash raise the W, and you can get more information there. If you're out and about today having fun, hanging out with family, maybe you're enjoying this sunshine that we see here in beautiful southwest Michigan. While you're there, tell somebody about Western. Tell them a great story. Tell them why you love to be a Bronco, and if you do, you'll help us all to raise the W. Thank you.